Welcome to the Overdrive Outdoors podcast. Your source for everything outdoors. Let's kick it into overdrive. Overdrive Outdoors podcast brought to you by Predator Hunter Outdoors. Whether you are new to predator hunting or looking to upgrade your equipment, Predator Hunter Outdoors will have you hunting after the sun goes down. Carrying a full line of lights, night vision, and thermal optics, along with tripods, calls, mounting systems, and more, check them out at www.predatorhunteroutdoors.com or on Facebook at Predator Hunter Outdoors. Use promo code OVERDRIVE2021 for 20% off your order. Want to lengthen your time in the field and shorten your scouting time? Not only does the HuntWise app show you property boundaries, landowners' names, and in some cases even their phone number, but using the app will show you the wind direction on the map of the place you want to hunt. And the HuntCast feature shows peak movement times for various species, including predators. Get the HuntWise app at www.huntwise.com, the Google Play Store, or the Apple App Store. For only $59.99 a year for Pro or $119.99 a year for Elite. Use promo code OVERDRIVE20 for 20% off an annual membership. Hey everybody, uh, this is Kevin Rott with Overdrive Outdoors. Thanks for joining us for tonight's podcast. Tonight, along with me, we have Jeremy Kennedy and Mike Latrell from West Michigan Wildlife Association. Um, tonight we're going to talk about some turkey hunting. Uh, we're going to start off talking about uh, tactics, kind of like how-to, and then we'll go into um, Mike Latrell's hunt with youth for West Michigan Wildlife, hear about that, and then Jeremy and I will discuss our hunt from this past weekend. So how are you guys doing tonight? Good. Good, new. Hot. It is warm today. Too warm. I'm glad it wasn't like this this weekend. It would have sucked. It was bad enough. I had to peel a layer of clothes off almost. Yeah. I was sweating by the time we were done. Especially carrying the birds out. Yeah, you guys had so, cooler weather, right? So your week was, yeah, one week after mine, mm-hmm. we had snow. It was snow. <laughs> Snowbirds. Snowbirds in the morning. It was, I think our coldest morning was 28 degrees Holy in the morning. Cow. That's rough when you got kids, too, it's, because it's they're like hard. <laughs> shivering yeah. and stuff. Um, yeah, it was cold. It was a tough morning, for sure. We actually, it was cold when we were that youth hunt. The youth hunt was cold. It wasn't that cold, but it was cold. I know, I mean, my boy, he don't get cold, so it doesn't make a difference to him, but I was cold. Yeah, I was cold. (laughs) I'm old, though. He doesn't get cold? No. He wears shorts all, he doesn't wear pants at all this whole winter. Wow. School, shovel in the driveway, don't mind. Kids, that's the way they are. Um, Yeah, because your son Brecken was in the youth hunt, and you had a total of, you said, 12 kids that participated in that 12 kids that participated in our youth hunt this year okay so how long have you been turkey hunting like that was 12 and so, you're um, only 20 something now right? yeah yeah i wish <laughs> My ter- I, i'm 38 this year 38 okay and how long about you jeremy i've been turkey hunting probably 20 20 years 25 years so you guys are pretty close to yeah. on time, yeah. same time not me i've been turkey hunting i think like five years I think four of them were with me. <laughs> I think the first two years I was hunting either with my buddy Dwight or Solo. And then I hooked up with you guys. Hunting with you 
after that. And then uh, we did a little bit, all three of us together last year. First time you got a long beard was with me, wasn't it? Define long beard. Not a Jake? No. no. Was that one up there on the wall? Was the first bird I ever okay. killed? Okay. And then I've never shot a Jake. No? No. Oh, okay. I, actually I got, thought everybody shoots a Jake. I, <laughs> for the I, first I, bird. I've never shot a Jake. Really? Yeah. I, my first or, bird was a Jake. For the last day of the season. Right. I'm, <laughs> well, I've gone two years with no bird and I could have killed Jake's, but mm -hmm. I choose not to. And you know, the funny thing is they're, they're not much, they're smaller, but you still get a good breast out of them. Oh, yeah. okay. But I look at it as just like deer, you know, they, they can't get bigger if you kill them. That's true. Right. And I hunt the same spots all the time, mm -hmm. year after year. I'm sure you guys, well, I know yeah. you do because you, me and you hunt together, but uh, yeah, we have our, our set spots every year. So that, that's a good thing to talk about. Do you find that the areas where you turkey hunt and you find turkeys, do they tend to be good year after year after year? Until the last two years, yeah. So, for instance, I have one field that I've hunted over and over and over again. I've probably killed, calling in for people and me killing. I've probably, I've, I, I got to be close to 20 birds on that one field. And we've killed one season. We killed, uh, I think, seven birds out of that field. Well, one season. And the next year we go back, and there's more turkeys and no jakes. So the season. Baldy turkey management. Yeah. <laughs> We're, so we, we, my family's always done like a run and gun tactic. Um, we hunt hardwoods. We hunt in the woods. There's no fields. This is all state land in Michigan. Um, we call it the bowl. It is. Can you give me them coordinates? Yeah. <laughs> um, the woods down this dirt road. Yeah. Uh, we've hunted this area probably for the last 12 years. We've, we've hunted this area. Um, produced a bird almost every single year for all of us. Uh, it's, a, it's a big loop in the two tracks. Um, has, the only thing that's out there is a creek, no no fields at all. Um, and they they roost down in that creek bottom, and we just do a loop, and we'll just keep hitting that loop almost all day long, back and forth, um, and going around. But running and gunning, we you know we get out. I don't sit. So when we when we all three of us hunted in, across the street from my house there, and that mm -hmm. that was the first time I've ever field hunted. Like really? sit, sitting there. Yep. Besides the besides the wastewater with the kids. Right. Um, yeah, we get out there um, in the morning, do a locator call with the crow call or or just hearing them roost by themselves. And then we, we always have like a central position where we sit in between all our, our different spots and we, we pinpoint where the birds are at. And our, we'll say, okay, that you know the birds are at the bowl or they're down by the club over there. Or it, it would just make a a move from that point and get on birds so that's kind of how the we funny do thing it. Is, i've never done a run and gun i've yeah. always field hunt always yeah that's how i was taught yeah um i just have never done it that way yeah. my, my first couple of years we did both we started off just running and gunning and then well up at that farm where you've been with me where we had the one where i didn't have any ammo in it that's the first time we're I, gonna tell that story yeah, that, you know, <laughs> that's the first time i'd ever field hunted was in that spot and that's where i killed my first bird okay but everything up to that and i think the year after that was all running gun so it's I'm kind of driving. different 
it, it's it's a different type of hunting. Mm -hmm. It's it's a hundred percent different type of hunting. Um, we we don't will we'll walk three miles on a two track, yep. and I'll and I'll hit the call every hundred yards. Yep. And it's amazing sometimes how a bird you know these birds hear your call mm -hmm. at two three hundred yards away, and they won't reply until you almost you almost get them like in a shot gobble. Yep. And then it's almost like oh it's a mad scramble yep. to get set up real fast well, that, that's what happened with i was out with my buddy dwight and we were actually up north on some public ground and that's what we were doing we're running down or just walking down this real sandy path and uh like you said we'd go you know 50 100 yards let out some calls nothing we go to the next spot and boom they're like right there yeah and that time the the off the trail it only went like maybe 10 15 yards and it dropped down and they gobbled from down below over that hill so he's like oh quick we gotta get set up you know so he dropped down i'd already filled my tag so he drops down up against a tree with his collar and his gun and i just kneeled down behind the tree because i knew they were gonna be there fast with how close they were and i grabbed my camera and sure enough i mean no sooner we sat down all of a sudden you know here come three toms redheads coming up over the hill he ended up shooting a jake on that one um but he, the problem was they didn't separate oh yeah so they came up and they're all close together so he just waited for the first bird that separated and took a shot he didn't care he just wanted a bird in the refrigerator you know but um you know that was like i said other than that field where you and i have been that's all we did was running gun and i, I think it's more action-packed doing it that way it is and it was a really good besides like the when we do our youth hunt with the kids it keeps my kids entertained mm -hmm. really we're always moving non-stop um my kids don't have the, the my younger kids they can't sit still can't sit still for that first hour i can get them to sit still you know because um, they're sleeping because they're sleeping pretty much <laughs> right. yeah Do they ever start snoring you gotta nudge them like, yeah <laughs> so uh running and gunning for i think for my kids is a perfect way i keep them active all yeah. day long yeah. and, we're, and we're always moving to different spots and well i think next year we should try get together try it do a running gun yeah i'd like to try it so now when you i wish not to go ahead interrupt you but i wish the michigan would do the scoot and shoot decoys, hunt, decoys. yep not allowed in michigan i know in michigan i wish they would because it no, looks like uh, a lot of fun no electronic calls, right. no fans, no nothing that is motorized movement. No, but you can't even, and you can't even hook a string to a decoy. Right. No, nope. it can't be any mechanical. It be, it's it got to be, be natural. Yep. Wind blows. But it would know. be fun. I think. Oh, it'd, it'd be a blast. blast. I see it on. You know, you watch these YouTube yep. videos, and these guys are behind the fan and getting it five yards. I watched a know. video that uh, just before our turkey season, a guy was scooting and shooting whatever you want to call it in. Uh, he got so close he grabbed, grabbed the turkey by the neck yeah <laughs> that'd be a handful <laughs> oh, but yeah i think it'd be a good time doing it. i wish michigan would uh, allow that but I, I don't think they ever will it's I, I agree with you it would be a blast but the other thing is to safety exactly i think and, I, and is, I believe that's why michigan oh, yeah. doesn't do it i'm sure yeah. it is that is number one because we so our part of the club we always had the dnr officers come out and that was one of the questions that got brought up a couple of years ago it got brought you, up this year. They did get brought up. That's right. Um, are you allowed to do it? And why don't you? Do, it, it is 100% just safety yeah. reasons in Michigan. Well, uh, the thing is, every year you hear about mm -hmm. turkey hunters getting shot. There was at least one I heard of this year that was lethal. A guy died. Yeah. And I didn't hear the whole story on yeah. it. But. Yeah, because we don't have to wear orange at all. Right. Um, and you're camoed up. 
Yeah. Camo is pretty important to turkey hunting, I think. Yeah. Oh. Unless you're in a blind. Unless you're in a blind. You wear black. Yeah. But we don't hunt. I don't hunt in a blind other than for that youth hunt. Yeah. 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 So now if you want to go out and look for a spot to call turkeys, do you look for anything in particular or you just go out and look for the birds? Is there a particular sign that you would look for or is it just kind of the locate the birds type thing? I I generally look for tracks for heavy bird. Um, this time of year you can look for wing drag when they're strutting. Um, and then once you find them, if you're scouting, you can just put them to bed at night and then mm -hmm. it's easy. So putting them to bed at night means basically you go out there at last light and you wait to listen to hear them fly up into the trees and then you'll well, have an idea where yeah, they're Otherwise, if you're hunting, like me, I hunt fields. Mm -hmm. And I'll just sit in my truck way out in the road I'll with binoculars and I'll watch them, watch where they oh, go. Yeah, we did fly. that last yeah. year. Right. Yeah. Watch them go up and fly into the roost. That way you know you pinpoint where they're roosting yeah. and then you can set up that way. And if you're it's and if you're gonna I've seen a lot of people do it. You hunt in a blind, go out there in the for before light, set up your blind in the middle of the field and they come out. Hmm. On that aspect or whatever, talking about putting them to bed for field hunting, yeah, I don't do that. But for my for our running gun, we do that, you know, the night before our opener. Um, for example, me and my father were out in the field, two tracks at last light. I'll bring an owl call mm -hmm. out um, and we'll locate them with an owl call. Um, Kind of shocking them and putting them to bed is what we consider it. Um, what's funny is we didn't have no bull, no gobbles at all the night before our season started. Um, but they were there in the morning. So it was a really interesting season, I would say, this year. The population is down big time this right. year. The DNR is, from what I've been told, the DNR is saying uh, 45 to 50% down. Yeah. In, in the fields, some of the fields that are guaranteed that we have, we're not seeing any crowds, not even tracks. Right? So I kind of believe they're down. I don't know if I believe it's 45 to 50, but it they're down quite a bit. And I, you know, we were talking about this the other day. What is the reasoning? Well, and I, like you brought up about the, the fur prices are down. So nobody's killing these coons and the possums and everything. Well, right. possums love eggs. Yeah. For one, coons do, and then skunks. coyotes, um, fox, all of them. Yeah, they're all going to eat them, but there's there has to be a reason. Well, there's a video I posted on the page today of a guy that went in depth talking about it. He said, because apparently the turkey population is down not just in Michigan, but all the east side of the U.S. and even down, down to like Texas. And he blames it on one is predators, two is, and I didn't catch all of it, but I've seen some discussion about it, how they're doing like forestation. Some of it has to do with their, the type of train they like and the forestry and, you know, stuff like that. He blames a lot of it on that because he particularly talks about- Loss of habitat? Yeah. He talks specifically, he had it in the background behind him, a new type of machinery that they're using to take trees down. And that thing, you know, they used to do controlled burns, which gives you a lot of new growth, mm -hmm. which all the animals like that, we know that. But when they start cutting this with that, you don't get that new growth like you do off a of burn. So he says part of it's that, and then he says a lot of it too is predators. Yeah. You know? Yeah, they're definitely down though. At least, that, have you seen the same light? Uh, so our spots. So going back, kind of what you we were talking about right before that about how do you pick your spots and how you locate. I do the same thing. We have the two tracks that we walk down. Um, tracks 
how much tracks are in the area. Mm-hmm. And then we, we have our, um, some properties that we are not allowed to hunt that are around that general facility that we just kind of do the bird watch and just see what birds are in the area. Um, but there were, there was a lot of areas this year that I, I didn't have, they were almost given, they were almost a given guaranteed spot yeah. to produce at least one bird for us. No birds hmm. at all in these spots. Uh, it was nothing to go down the two tracks, you know, and, and see throughout the day, we would hunt all day through the two tracks. Mm-hmm. It was nothing to, you know, have three, four, five birds throughout the day cross in front of you. And, and I can't recall one single time we had a bird cross in front of us at all this year. Well, another problem, you know, I've seen is we had a 60 degree day, what, three or four weeks ago? Yeah, like one day. Yep. And then sun, Easter Sunday, one of my friends was out turkey hunting. He sent me a picture of a nest full of eggs. This was three weeks ago. It was still cold. Yeah. So in, in we have seen a lot of solo hens, which is pretty much unheard of. And all the time seemed to be still together. Mm-hmm. I mean, our hunt, we, we called in at least five. So I think some hens are bred already. Right. Well, I know they are because I've seen the eggs, but I mean, I think more than normal yeah. are bred already. Yeah. And we were driving around, what, week before, um, we've seen a few lone hens. But, mm-hmm. And we've seen a couple driving around this weekend. But like I said, where we were at, those towns were all together. And we mm-hmm. did see some others that were together, but we're going to see only one hen. Them. Right. With five times. Right. That we've seen. Right. I mean, there could have been more. Yeah. Because we were, you know, more hilly. Yeah. But still, you got five times one hen. Where's the other hen? Right. Are they bred already? Right. It's a weird season. The season's really weird. Well, last year we had me and Kevin. We had first season. You had first season too, Dave. Yep. Um, we had first season. I never killed a bird. I didn't hunt as much as I normally do, but I didn't. I didn't see birds last year. Right. But yeah. It was last cold. Year, yeah. It's very cold last season. Yeah. So then once you find a spot that you located the birds, I know from what we do, I prefer, I think I've had better luck in the mornings. Mornings is probably my favorite. Yeah. So what we'll do is we'll go out and looking at the two different ways that we like to hunt, talking about running gun versus, I don't know what else we'd call it, field hunting. I get out there before daylight and you do have to be quiet. You don't want to make too much noise to let them know you're there. Loud noises like slamming a truck will give them to gobble on the roost. Yep. But you want to get in close to them as much as you can. Now, a lot of times, that's the thing that's always the question is when they come down from the roost, where are they going to go? So the way we always figure is they're going to come down from the roost. Toms are going to be after the hens if they're hot. Otherwise, the hens are going to be going towards the food and the toms are going to follow the hens to the food. So a lot of times what we had looked for is, you know, where's their food or where do we think they're going to go for food? and try and set up somewhere in between there and the roof spot. That's how we used to do it. We'd do the first set until, you know, maybe an hour or two after daylight. Then if we didn't have anything going on, then we'd start running and going. That's how we did it. Is that, like, what do you like to do? I hunt all fields. Right. I don't, I've never run, never done that. Um, in the morning, I get up, like, before I even hunt with you, I'd, um, I get up, I'm usually in the woods, 45 minutes usually before daybreak. Yeah. Um, I sit quiet. I don't slam doors. I 
I try to be as quiet as I can, right. get to my spot, hopefully you know the terrain sometimes. <laughs> right. It's like this last weekend, we didn't really know the terrain. Um, I just picked up that spot, so it was kind of, we would never been there. Yeah. But normally I, I've scouted it, I know where I want to sit. Sometimes I don't know where they're roosting, but right. it's a field. And my favorite time to hunt is when it's drizzling. Really? Light rain, birds are always going to go to a field. They can't hear, they can't see real well. Is there a point where it's too rainy though? Yeah, if it's pouring, I don't okay. know. And I don't know if this is it because of the birds or because well, you just don't want to get wet. <laughs> I don't know if the birds come in the field or not. Because I'm not going to check it because I don't like to hunt when it's raining. Right, that makes sense. You know, if it's sprinkling or just a light mist, I mean, I that's I prefer that for turkey. Is it the same if it's foggy? Because I mean, in the springtime we get some foggy. Yeah, times. um, I've hunted in the fog and. It just makes it tough for you too to yeah, see. You see this you're right. You know, most time in a field you can't see across the field because that's where the dew is. Makes sense. Um, but rain is by far my favorite time. Like a light drizzle. Yep. Yeah, not a heavy rain. So I melt. I'm made of sugar. <laughs> so on that note, though, look at the that the the youth hunt this weekend. So after you shot your bird, you lost breakfast. Yep. Uh, so I didn't shoot my bird or my son. Son, yeah. Um, that day though that afternoon when my daughter shot her bird it was raining pouring and it came down so hard and it was thundering so loud i had to hold the tent down because it was the wind <laughs> was blowing so hard i couldn't see outside of our our, uh, our blind it was raining so hard and it just let up enough and i turned and my daughter's tom was at 40 yards oh, really? so it was moving in that range oh yeah wide open and we had birds out in the field okay um now in this area that we hunt with the club lots of birds mm -hmm. you know a lot a lot of birds i don't know if that maybe population of birds helps that i don't know but i agree rain is my favorite time to hunt okay turkeys so rain shot a bird in the rain rain shot a bird in the rain <laughs> um thundering I they shot gobble. They get a lot of a lot of vocalization with thunders and lightning storms. Okay. Um, I don't like hunting. If about, the only way I'm going to hunt in the rain if it's a heavy downpour is if I'm in a blind. Yeah. I don't like getting that wet either. Yeah. Plus, you don't want to sit underneath the tree. I want to have a deer hunt. It's raining. I mean, but it's sprinkling. It, it's amazing though how the birds' activity in a field in the rain. It, yeah, they, they can't hear. Well, they can't. Can't see real well. We can't see very well. Right. But I will tell you, if a turkey could smell, nobody would ever kill a turkey. We would have to be able to use rimfire. You're definitely not going to kill a turkey if they could smell. No, They're, it's crazy. So mornings are the best. We have hunted evenings though, and evenings is almost the opposite from what I look at. Is you want to try and catch them as they're going back to the roost. Um, and I've had them gobble good in the evenings, but I wouldn't say as I've ever had them really, you know, come to a call as well in the evening. I'd rather, I'd rather skip evening hunting and just hunt midday. 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 Me and you've killed yeah. a lot of birds. Midday. Like noon, one o'clock. Yep. I have, I don't, I couldn't, I don't remember how many birds I've shot evening or midday. Mm -hmm. Um, but I know I've shot more birds midday than I have evening mm -hmm. because usually, like you said, you have to go, catch them going back to roost. And 
it's hard to know because they don't root. They, I mean, they tend to roost in the same area, but they don't. I mean, I don't know if they roost in the same tree, do you? I, I don't I, think so. No, they don't roost in the same tree. They might be the same block of trees, right. but they'll be different. But trees. then, how you, it's harder to catch them going right. back to roost. You don't know where they're going. Right. So, mornings are, yeah, obviously my favorite also. Most when they're most vocal mm -hmm. coming out of the, you know, coming out of the roost. Um, so, Micaiah, my my oldest who hunted this year, um, she got to experience this for the first time. So our morning was pretty rough in the morning. And I explained to her, I said, I said, sis, um, so in these towns, they'll hen up. They'll get their hens that they're going to breed. Well, after them hens are bred, they will, the hens will leave them toms. Well, them toms at that point, midday, they start looking for more hens. Um, perfect example, we hunted an area that we went out in the morning and we had a lot of turkey tracks. It rained really hard the night before. Um, went out there, no birds in the area at all in this, in a big, like a dust bowl kind of sand pit. No tracks and there was tracks all week. We went out and scouted it all week long. No tracks. Sure enough, we came back there at 11 o'clock and I said, sis, this, I'll show you what I'm talking about. Let's, let's see if there's any more tracks out here. Sure enough, we found a set of tracks. I could tell it was a tom. I could see where he was strutting at. You could see his, you know, his feathers and um, the strut marks. And uh, 11 o'clock in the afternoon, we followed them tracks a little bit through the dust bowl. And sure enough, I hit that call and he was right there. And and he came, I mean, V-line right to us at that point. He had only a single tom, no hens, and, and he was on the move. So midday, I would... There's a wall in there but after they hen up and but once them them hens leave that tom or them toms it, it's game on again it's just like the morning again evenings are tough for me i've found it especially in the running gun aspect of it uh, i don't get a lot of vocals mm -hmm. running and gun in, in the evening uh, more if i shock them if i'm right on top of them so i think field hunting would be a lot easier at night mm -hmm. uh, Besides well, running, right? Running. Field, field. If they're in the field, then you, you know, you just set up in, near the wood line, um, and hold and try calling them in. Or if you if you have patience, I don't have much patience, but if you have patience, you can you know set up and hopefully that's where they're going to roost. Yeah, um, I've killed them that way, few and far between. But uh, I've killed midday. I agree, midday's one of my favorites. Morning's the best in my mind because you. You know, once they land and they're even if they're with pens, they're going to land and they're going to go to the feed. Mm -hmm. Well, most time they're going to the fields. That's bugs and all that, and or dirt. You know, they you'll see them on the side of the road eating gravel. Right. So if I just think a lot of people give up on turkeys after that first hour, two hours in the mm -hmm. morning, and then they don't think that them them toms are going to be responsive at any point. Uh, yeah, there, there's going to be that lull, but I think a lot of people will need to know that them toms are going to separate from them hens, and they're going to go their own way. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's just like the morning, the morning activity right over again. It's that that second wind. Yeah, noon one o'clock's always been good. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember people telling me that usually by ten o'clock they're going to be done with their initial breeding or what have you, and then that's when it's going to start ramping up. Yep. Yep. I uh. 100% agree. So now, run and gun especially, camouflage is important, right? 
because you're going to set up quick, you aren't going to have any cover. You've hunted out of tents before, but what we've been using when I hunt with you is a screen. Yep. Just a simple screen that mine's put homemade. Out in front of you. Yeah, yours is homemade. It's made out of a camouflage cloth, you know, wooden dowels, and they're so like a little, uh, I don't know how to explain it, but there's a little slot they go in. Yep. And uh, you just one, I got a bungee around it. Yep. Set up. That's yeah, easy to carry, yeah, lightweight. It's light. You set um, it up in front of you. And that way you're able to move a little more, but not having a full blind. Yeah. Because just like the hub blinds, they're loud when you put them on. Yeah. This is super quiet. It, it, it's the right height where if you sit out on the ground, you can still just see over it. Um, and this, the dowels are spaced far enough out where it kind of slopes down the middle. So you can just make sure you're in that middle. Yeah. But it, it, it's a cover. And the way we set up on that is it's just high enough that basically when you're sitting and you're in good shooting position, your gun is right on resting on top of that. Yep. So everything below that is behind that cover. Yep. So you have a little bit of range of movement. Well, just like the, our hunt this weekend. Right. If we didn't have that, because I set my calls down once the birds came in right. and they hung up. Yeah. If I wouldn't have had that screen, I wouldn't have been able to reach down because how long did it take me? About like 10 minutes. Right? <laughs> I'm trying to find my calls without moving my head because the birds were yeah. 30 yards, 40 yards away, which is in shooting distance, but I want to get them closer. I know we can get them closer. Yeah. So I'm reached fumbling around trying to find my calls. I wouldn't have been able to do that without a screen. Right. So now in terms of equipment, let's say so going back to the camouflage again, do you wear a face mask? Yes. You have a beard. I have a full beard, so I don't wear a face mask. I wear a face mask. But I do wear a ball cap, and mm -hmm. when the birds are coming, I tip it down. Yeah, we talked about that. So it's covering, you know, I can tip my head down so they can't see my eyes. Yeah. A lot of people say that they can see your eyes move, all that. So I tip my hat down, and with a full beard, I've never been busted. Right. And that's something, too, that, you know, we talked about that this weekend after our hunt, that I do the same thing. Um just tip my hat down or tip my head down so I'm looking underneath the brim closer to just shield more of my face and my eyes because I've heard the same thing that those well, even people with beard they, a lot of them use the face paint to cover up the top but I've found that the hat method works just fine I don't and I hate taking that face paint off it's pain in the butt right. so I try not to use any of that but that hat tip it's worked for me for years right um now decoys when do you use them? When don't you use them? I hunt off field, so I use them every time. Running and gunning, you probably don't use them at all. I, I, nope. Running and gunning, I, I don't use them no. one bit. Um, when I use them, I right now, I we used to use a, um, the pretty boy and pretty girl, I think it was called. It's a mm -hmm. strutting tom. Um, I always had a regular fan. But I found over the past well, five or six years that you'll have birds hang up because they're worried about that strutting tom. I have a Jake fan on, but they hang up. So this year I switched it up and I bought new decoys and I just bought two. I have, I run a Jake, just a feeding Jake and a feeding hen. And that's what we used on Brecken's hunt too. And it seems to work. Now, sometimes even with a Jake, they'll, they won't come in. But like last year when us three hunted over by your place, Mike, what did we have out when we had those four toms come in all nice and pretty? Well, we had a Jake and two hens. Jake and was that what it was? Okay. Normally I run two hens. This year, you know, decoys are 
good decoys are 40 to 100 bucks. Mm -hmm. So I bought two. I cheaped out, but it worked. I mean, it, it's all you need. I like running a Jake because the bigger toms, I won't shoot a Jake. So the bigger toms tend to want to come in and fight that Jake right. off, off that one head. Right. It's worked. It worked for us this weekend. So I'm like, I, I am 50 50 on decoy setups. Did you use them for the youth? Yep. Okay. Uh, only two feeder heads. Okay. No jakes. See, we, Sam, he used a jake and two feeder heads. Yep. I, I always have a feeder hen, um, at least one feeder hen set up in a field if I'm field hunting. Um, so last year we did a little bit more field hunting last year with my kids. Um, even with a jake decoy, I've had too many toms stop at about 60 yards. 60 to 80 yards out and see that decoy and go around mm -hmm. and never commit at all so this year we only ran just i didn't put no jakes out no nothing um, and just the two feeder hens that had them come in both times um, just to the hen decoys so you know like on breckenton though i i honestly believe that if we would have had that jake he yeah. wouldn't have came in so I, when I used, so years prior to that, I would have a, I'd have a laying down hen mm -hmm. and I would put a Jake above that laying down hen, simulating that, that Jake was mounting that hen. And I've had Tom's 300 yards see that and it had come to a full sprint across the field to that Jake. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I guess it's, it's your own preference. I, I don't think you'd say yeah. um, and knowing your area, I, I, sometimes it's going to work and sometimes it's not. I seen a post by a guy last week where he was talking about he's only used as either a single Jake or a single hen. He changed up it and he said that change made a difference this year for him. Yeah. You know, so. Well, and, and with the bird population being down, that, you know, it could change. Mm -hmm. You know, it depends on how many birds you have around it. If, you, if the Toms know there's Jakes around, if there's no jakes, maybe that will have something to do with right. it. I was going to say, it might depend on the maturity of the right. birds. So our first our first morning, me and my father, our season, we had a nice tom we set up on the morning, right off roost. He came down. We had we did have time, at, actually, that time, to have the decoy set up. I had a jake and three hens, two feeders and one lookout hen, uh, set up on the corner of this two-track. And that tom, see, he was coming right down the two-track, and he's seen them decoys and i don't know if he's a smarter smarter tom and he's been shot at before and understands but he stayed at 60 yards and went all the way around us and and he was on a dead he was a v-line right to us on the two track until he's seen them decoys mm -hmm. and he bailed right on around us and after that i told i told my father i said no more decoys unless maybe just one feeder hen mm -hmm. and that's what we ran with the rest of the season so now in terms of calls, you have diaphragms, pot or slate calls, box calls. That's the majority of what's out there right now. I myself, I feel I call best with either a slate call or a diaphragm. I like diaphragms. You like slate calls. I like slate calls unless it's windy, then I use a box call. Okay. And I, 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 don't, I don't feel confident enough on a box call myself. And see, I'm horrible with diaphragms. Right. I, I mean, I can make a coyote diaphragm sound better as a turkey than I can a coyote. 
but I can't make I can't make a turkey. I mean, I can do a turkey, but I don't myself. Not I don't. Confident. I'm not confident. That I'm the most confident out of box call. That is my go-to. It's interesting how everyone has their own preferences. Well, and, yeah. and I have like I have I probably have 15 pot calls. Yeah. And I and I carry three mm. at all times. I have a rod Benston that mm. I bought years and years ago, and then I have my timber free, and then I have a Cody. Okay. My Cody's glass. Yeah. My um, timber freak is red slate. And then my rod Benson is a slate glass, slate on one side, glass on the other. And I use, I, I barely use the code. I use my timber freak the most because I like the way it sounds. But I do, when they're up close and personal, I use, like when we did it, I'll use that rod Benson one on the slate because it's a smaller slate and it's just super easy to use. I can use it, apparently I can use one it left-handed, <laughs> one-handed on the ground, left-handed. But, so I, I prefer pot calls. And I've got, I probably have 15, 20 strikers, and I use all different ones in every one. Well, one thing I've noticed is volume. Box calls, I think, are the loudest. That's why I use them when they're winning. Yeah. I would say, from what I've seen, anyhow, diaphragms are probably next loudest. And then... You can make a pot call just as loud as a diaphragm. I think so. I'd say they're pretty close. Maybe it's just my diaphragm, or maybe how I call. Well, look how far the birds were from us this weekend, and yeah. they could hear my pot call. Right, and they were a long way off. Right, and every time I'd per clock whatever, yeah. they would, they would gobble. So, how much is too much calling, and how much is not enough calling? It depends on the situation, on how the birds are reacting. Yeah, how the birds are reacting. So, let's say, for example, let's run down. We'll we'll fast forward kind of to what the plan was here. Our hunt this weekend, we'll, we'll have you do the same thing, Mike, but our hunt this weekend, we sat up, we knew the birds were roosting in this patch of woods in general area, obviously we didn't know specific trees, but so we waited for them to start making noise. Well, and how we heard them the first time is there was two raccoons fighting. Oh yeah. And they were, they, they shot, they shot gobbled and it was still dark, you yep. know, but they shot gobbled. Yep. So we knew right away that they were there. And when we hunted Saturday, which was our opening, my opening day, we called more. And your plan was Sunday we weren't going to call as much. And we didn't. Right. Until until they started I, coming. They, started, they hit the ground. And I still didn't call a lot. Right. Um, I'd call a little bit. But if if they gobbled, I would wait a couple, couple seconds. Then I would cut. Yeah. And then they'd gobble again. I'd wait a little bit, then cut. And it was, uh, and then once they started getting closer, I started clucking. Mm -hmm. And then once they were close and hung up, yeah. I started purring. Yeah. And then that's what brought them in. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I think if you call too much, I think they they kind of get the hint, get the gist of it that something's not right. Mm -hmm. So I, I tend to call less. Now this is one we didn't talk about. Do any of you guys use a gobbler call? I have one. I know. Um, <laughs> I've tried it, I've, and I've had them gobble with it. Mm -hmm. But I, again, it's hard to know if that sounds like a Jake or a mature Tom. Mm -hmm. They say it. They say you know you can adjust it. It says it sounds like Jake, but to me, it sounds like a mature Tom. Okay. So I tend to not use that as much. Mm -hmm. I did buy an owl hooter this year, and I really like that. Tried it a couple times. Saturday mm -hmm. didn't get no response, but it was still early. Yep. Um, but I just I tend to think that 
you can call too much. Um, so I, I, I do the same thing as Jeremy. Uh, as, a, if, as long as they're responding to me, I'll wait a couple seconds and respond. But once I know them birds are committed and I can tell they're getting closer and closer and closer, yeah, and my my calling goes down to mere nothing at that point. And, it, and it goes to pure just purrs yeah. at that point. Um, I don't cluck, I don't cut. It is pure purrs. When they break that within almost 100 yards, all I am doing is purring at that point. Okay. Uh, and it's very subtle and very quiet. And I make them come find me. Yep. So that way, they, I, they, I think over calling them will get them to hang up. You know, that's like this weekend, though. Um, they were hung up at about 65 yards. And I tried purring. They still didn't want to come. So I, I hit them with a couple of cuts. They gobbled instantly. And then, then I went back to purring. Because then I knew they were in it. So as soon as I went to purring, then they just started to come. And they, were, they came on up. String, yep. you know, right to the, but there again to get back to the decoys, they skipped right over my hen decoy and went straight to that jig to fight. To fight, they were going to whoop fight. that decoy's butt. Yep, and same with brackets hunt with the youth hunt. That bird took an hour and a half to come in, and as soon as he broke, and he was out there, like I said, he was probably out there 150 yards. And, he, and, the, and the funny thing about that one is the, the hens would move closer to us. And then he'd move closer, but he stayed at about 80, 85 yards the whole entire time. And then finally, he crested over the hill, could see our Jake, and it was like we were pulling him on a rope. He was just sprinting right to that Jake. Yeah. And with the youth, it was hard to, it's a little harder. He's not, this is the second bird, but it's a little harder because he means to get dead nuts on it, where us, we can swing around. Make know. the adjustment. Right. So he, this bird actually attacked the Jake twice. And uh, then once the Jake didn't do nothing, he started walking off. That's when Breck shot him. But, um, yeah, it was there again. I still think that if we wouldn't have had that Jake, he, I don't know if he would have came in. Yeah. Because two hens, we had seven hens on that hunt all in front of us the whole entire time, an hour and a half. Two hens cut off to, on the side of us 30 yards. They went back in the woods. And I honestly think if we didn't have that Jake, he would have followed those two hens. Yeah. So now we we're talking about different sounds and turkeys for calling you have I'm gonna let Jeremy do this because he's better at it than I am. Give an example of this is a the timber freak slate call. So how about a purr? Hopefully your call is great. So it's a real subtle sound. Yep. yep. It's not real loud and it's it's a purr. It almost, yep. I mean it could be a mistake for a cat. Now, how about a cluck? Okay. So, what about cutting? Now, that's like I said on the slate call. I also have my box call here. Oh my goodness! Yeah, it's a little dusty. It doesn't get used. Now, <laughs> talk on it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is this to me to make sound? So yeah. now, one side of the box calls for supposed to be a hen. The other side supposed to be for a tom. So give me some examples, some sounds on that if you can, Mike. Let's see. So my purr, let's see if I can get this to purr just like this. The soft, white, barely touching the top of this box. Mm -hmm. um, this is, now, only hens purr, right? 
guess I don't know. I don't know that answer. I would assume so because okay. I've never heard of Tom Kerr. No. They drum and, you know. Um, and then Clucks, I just. Um, and then my, you know, my cuts are. Well, a cluck is a more, or a cut is a more aggressive sound. Very aggressive. Well, and you can gobble on these too. I cannot. I, I know people that can. Yeah, I've seen people do it too, um, but I can't do it either. You gotta have a rubber, rubber band. band. Yeah, rubber and then band. you just shake it. Yeah, mine doesn't have a rubber band. But so mine, mine, mine dry rotted off. Need to replace them. But no different than a slate call. Um, I can do everything that a slate call can on this. Mm -hmm. And you can get really loud with these. Yeah, and I can get, really and I can, I can get very loud mm -hmm. uh, and get my distance out there a lot. That's kind of my go-to. Kevin uses his a lot, don't he? Yeah, I see this. <laughs> There's a pinch of dust on there. Yeah, no chalk on the bottom. <laughs> sounds like a wounded pen. But it'll make some kind of noise out of it. But, but Kevin, you, other than diaphragm, we hunt, you don't do much about it. No, and like I, and like I said, I stick primarily to diaphragms and then a little bit with the slate call. I do like the slate. I feel comfortable and confident with it. But I feel more confident with a diaphragm, um, and I can't do like putts and purrs of the diaphragm. I need more practice on that. Um, but like cutting and yelping, I can do pretty good on that with a diaphragm. See, I cannot do a diaphragm. I feel like I'm gagging the whole time. A lot of people have. That. I, I, I cannot do it. Uh, I can do the box call and the slate calls very, very well. Very confident with them. So Let me see, I I bought bracket F. To get to your youth hunt, I will, and I don't want to go off subject, but mm -hmm. my son is a fidgety kid. I mean, he, he can't sit still for nothing. Uh, he's been out deer hunting, but I'll tell you, I, we got him involved, not this year, but last year with yep. your organization. Yep. Took him out turkey hunting, and this kid is gung-ho about turkey. Like, we go to Walmart, Dad, can you buy me a new call? Yep. So I buy him. He says, I want to try a diaphragm. He went to your workshop and Sam showed him his diaphragm and how he did. And he, we go to Walmart afterwards. He says, Yeah, will you buy me a call? Yeah. Pick which one you want. I want this one. All right. He goes home and I'll tell you what, that kid sounds like the sickest cat I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. But you know what? He's trying. Yeah. And, and he, his mom's getting tired of it because, you know, you guys gave him calls and stuff and the box call. Uh, and he's in there's room just to hit, you know, and his mom's <laughs> like, you need to stop. But the kid, you know, because of your organization, the kid found hunting that he really likes. He hasn't grown to like deer hunting as well as like I do or you do, or, but he's getting there. But he's getting older, so he's not fidgeting. Enough. But I will say that your organization has done wonders for that. That's a big thing for our club. I don't want to get into that yet or not. Sure. Um, I didn't mean to go off subject, but no. I just want to, I, I wanted to put that out it, there because. So we, West Michigan Wildlife Association gets the opportunity to hunt here um, in Michigan. It's, it's our Michigan, it's our Muskegon wastewater. Um, the only people that can hunt turkey. Yeah, we, exclusive we are the only club that gets to hunt out there and actually it's not open to the public for, for turkey. turkey at all. Uh, we're the only people that can hunt and it's only for the youth um, but it allows kids to get into hunting and almost have a I would say it's an 80 to 100 percent success rate in these these fields um, well 
not this year, but last year, we, what do we see? Eight, nine toms? Yeah. And it, then like 30 hens? Yeah, it's it's, it's a given. It's, it's, there's birds everywhere. There's birds everywhere. But that excitement. I, we, we've had so many kids stick with turkey hunting, especially from that excitement of that youth hunt. Uh, it's, it's, it's a phenomenal hunt for youth to, to get them in there and they're, and they're going to be on, uh, on their game animal that they're, they're out there for that turkey very quickly and, Sometimes. and, and, and very, and see a lot of other wildlife also. We've seen you know, deer, deer, sandhill cranes. Yeah. I mean, so it keeps their, their attention yeah. right there. But so but how does that work? If like, if a kid in the area wanted to get involved in that and get the opportunity, what would he have to do? So we have a Facebook page, um, West Michigan Wildlife Association. All they'd have to do is send us a message. Um, they would have to have their hunter safety or, or a mentor tag um, here in Michigan um, and, and just get put on the list. Uh, and then we'll, So that every kid, we only allow kids to do two years. Mm -hmm. uh, so like Brecken, this is Brecken, my nephew's second year, Jeremy's son. Um, this is his second year hunting out there. So he's off the list now. He, we only allow two years on um, for the hunt. And we try to bring in 12 to 15 new kids in a two-year period. Um, so just a message to the page. And then it's a lot of it's word of mouth, mm -hmm. too. Um, I know nothing about it until you got it. Yeah. yeah. So we're, we're a smaller club that's growing more, I guess you would say, and getting more. Uh, before I became president of the club, we really didn't even have a Facebook page. So... Um, so people didn't really understand how much the club did. So what this club was, was uh, a, they were, it was a bunch of board members off um, the National Wild Turkey Federation board um, here in Michigan, but they wanted that money that they raised to just stay in West Michigan and Michigan um, and, and in the Michigan area instead of sending that money off to New York and California and not getting the money back in return. So they created West Michigan Wildlife Association. It's been 13, this is the 13th year that it's been. It's a nonprofit Nonprofit 501c organization. Um, and we do everything from the turkey hunt with the youth out of the wastewater. We do a disa disabled hunt for disabled. Uh, we work with a lot of kids. Um, vets, a lot of vets we get into. We do a big uh, uh, fishing tournament and we get into uh, charter fishing trips. Uh, we help our local DNR. We bought them thermal uh, last year. Um, There's another hunter that got a hold of us. Actually, his family got a hold of us. He got into a bad car accident two years ago. Um, he didn't have access to get out in the woods. Very avid outdoorsman. Uh, we bought him. I guess, what do you call them? The, the gator kind of wheelchair mm -hmm. with uh, with a remote control stick. Um, the club bought him his own so that he could still enjoy the great outdoors and get out in the woods. Awesome. Um, it, was, it was a big spend, it, you know, but it was something that the club is really big into is giving right back to the, you know, West the Michigan, community. especially. So now when you take the kids out, there's a guide with each kid, right? Yep. And the everything needed is supplied. Everything is needed is supplied for these hunts. And you guys take them out and do like uh, 
about firearm safety and take them to the range so they're comfortable to guns. Yep. So two weeks prior to the hunt, it's two weeks. Um, two weeks prior to the hunt, we do our workshop. Uh, all the kids come there. They meet their guides. At this point, they, they already have a, a guide already designated to them. Uh, we do all the, we have the DNR, our Michigan DNR comes out there for us. Uh, goes over rules, laws, regulations that they still have to follow, state laws. Um, then we do a, a shooting workshop with all the kids. We break the kids up into groups. We do a shooting workshop, teach them safety, and then lets them shoot the gun. Um, so for our workshop, for our shooting workshop, we always load up like a, a bird shot and a 20 gauge. We don't do turkey loads at all for this. A lot of these kids, this is their very first time shooting a shotgun. So they're timid. Mm -hmm. We don't, that's one thing we do not want to do is get a, a get gun, shy. Yeah. gun shy at all. So we load them with the most lightest load possible. Um, teach them gun safety and, you know, shoot a target and they get to take a couple shots. If they miss, they can take more shots. Then we take the other group of kids and they go over to another workshop and they learn about calling and decoys. Um, what other Sam stuff go over with you? He went over Just with what uh, he carries, in what, his he, pack. what he carries in his pack, what they're used for. Yep. Um, and then we do a big lunch, and then everybody gets designated their their field. We get to draw our fields and pick a field to hunt. But um, they do, you know, you do allow a parent to go with them. Yep. We actually we, we recommend it. Mm -hmm. um, we recommend a parent or a guardian to go in the blind with the kids and the, the guide um, just for more liability reasons. Mm -hmm. And it gets that, that, that excitement of that kid successfully taking that bird. Mm -hmm. We want that parent to be there involved. And it's amazing how many, besides like you, Jeremy, you hunt and Jeremy's a hunter, but it's amazing how many non-hunting parents. Well, to get on there, I have a friend that, cause I can text him. I have a customer friend that his boy got involved with your organization, went turkey hunting those two years. Dad didn't hunt. Now his dad is an avid hunter. He's going to Colorado elk competition. Oh, wow. All because of your organization. The organization? Yep. Because, because he's seen, and he takes this kid everywhere when he's hunting. And that's what your organization is about. Yeah. The nice thing about getting back to the parent situation, like me, the first year I went, I brought a camera. I kind of fumbled that around because me, you know, you being my brother-in-law, we were coaching Brecken together. Yeah. Well, this year, I had Sam, we had Sam as our our guide, and I said I brought my camera, and I told Sam right when we got from the tent, I says, "Okay, you got him. All I'm going to do is video." And it worked for the most part. I still helped Sam oh, yeah. with Brecken, but I I videoed all of Brecken's hunt. And it turned out awesome. If you and if you want to look at it, it's on our YouTube page, Overdrive Outdoors YouTube page, and it's Brecken Kennedy's first or turkey hunt, 2022 turkey. Yeah, hunt. and it and the video turned out awesome. Phenomenal video. <clears throat> and it, it gives you the opportunity to video your kids hunt, whether yeah. you're a hunter or not. Sure. But it's a memory that you can you'll have forever. Yeah, we we it's amazing though. We have a lot of non-hunting parents or guardians that they're 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 daughter or son hear about the hunt from a friend mm -hmm. at school or and they reach out to the club and and these they have no idea 
so that's what that workshop does two weeks prior. It gets you kind of adequate and and then having a guide already set up with the kid um, helps out. So the guide does all the calling. The guide do all the calling. We do um, so it's our our rules. We carry the guns out. The guides. Uh, we don't let the kids carry the guns out, obviously. Or, so everything is based off safety, 100%. That's the very first thing is safety. Um, and I don't want nothing to ever happen to one of these kids. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty cool hunt. What is the minimum age that you can turkey hunt in Michigan? 11, 12? I, no, I, 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 don't I don't think you, I think you can hunt it. Three. At the, at the, with the can, apprentice. Yeah. Oh, license. Really? Yep. They, they kind of took away that age restriction okay um you know you see all these kids even during this their uh use deer season and there's i know i've seen five-year-olds so what's the maximum age you'll take on this then very well so our maximum age is 16 okay 16 years of age um because then they get um they're an adult the adult at the 17 year old mm -hmm. for, adult for, tag. for adult tags um so 16 is our our oldest that's our cutoff at that age. Um, I don't think we've ever had anybody younger than nine. Mm -hmm. Nine is kind of our our starting age. Um, but it's amazing, like, uh, so Sam, who brought your, who guided Brecken this year, Sam became, Sam went through this turkey hunt um, and did his two years. And then it stuck with the club all through high school and helping out whenever he could. And actually now he's on the board um, and actually he's the president of the Sportsman's for Youth oh, as well nice. here in Michigan, uh, which is a, another big organization that helps out a lot of kids. Um, so he became president of that club. So it's, it's just amazing. You watch these kids stick with, because of that turkey hunt, mm -hmm. stick with hunting in some kind of aspect. Throughout well, this whole especially time. when you have good positive experience like that. I mean, because you guys cover all the bases of safety do the education and then the actual hunt itself. And it's a positive experience for them. Yep. Um, here's a quick question though. When the hunt is done, do you guys offer any processing of the birds for them or do they do that themselves or? So we do. Um, I, I think you process your own birds. Yes. Jury knows how to do it. Um, but we offer that parent, we'll, we'll process that bird okay. for them. Um, now I, you know, I didn't think about doing this, and I should have thought about doing it. I should have I brought like a vacuum sealer for them, but uh, I've actually processed one of the kids' birds Saturday evening for him. Mm -hmm. Dad didn't have a clue how to do it, and uh, I was very comfortable, and I asked him for me to do it, and absolutely, so we processed it. And um, I, Before that, though, so after the, after the harvest, if they do harvest an animal, um, we have the DNR, Michigan DNR, on site during these hunts um, at our main gate where we check in at. So they come in and they, they weigh the bird. Um, they get measurements on the bird. We take pictures with the bird. Um, as much data as possible taken off that bird and then they can have the chance of processing at that point or bringing it home to the family Great. if they know how to process it. Very cool. Yep. Uh, what season, do they only hunt one season? Cause there's what, three seasons? Or four, three or four seasons? Well, technically, they overlap. They overlap, right. and then so there's there's three three seasons yeah. technically in the spring. In the spring, we always pick the second week, um, the second season for this this hunt particularly. Uh, it allows the parents who do hunt 
the first week if they want to, so that doesn't overlap into their their kids' hunt. Sure. And then it, it's always a little bit warmer. Maybe it seems like more comfortable, more comfortable for the kids. Yeah. You know, we we try to push that, and you know, in the morning or whatever when we meet up in the morning, it's five o'clock in the morning, and you got kids out there, and I and I do the orientation, and I make sure all the kids are there and the guides are there. But I push big time, and Jeremy can test this, that this is the kids' hunt 100%. When they say if it's 8.02 and they're done hunting, then the hunt's over. Mm-hmm. So we try to make it as fun as possible. It's all about the kids. 1,000% yeah. about the kids. It's not dad's trophy. It's not the guide's trophy. It is that kid's trophy at that point. And, and he can take and they, it with They might want to go to breakfast and come back. Yeah, and you allow them to do yes. that. Yes, we hunt two days, um, Saturday and Sunday, out of the season, um, and they can hunt all day long if they want. We, you know, at me and my daughter, we left the blind at nine thirty. She was done. It was cold. It was raining. It was really windy that morning. Remember that? It was really windy. It was really cold. Uh, we went over and actually, I witnessed my my stepson shoot his bird through binoculars. We actually oh, yeah. watched him <laughs> shoot that bird through binoculars. After that bird was taken, uh, went to the DNR, got it all checked out, did our pictures, and then we went and had breakfast. Mm-hmm. And we didn't get back out to the blind until almost one o'clock in the afternoon. One thirty, my daughter shot her bird Jesus. through the thunderstorm of a lifetime. <laughs> yeah, so we were at breakfast while both of you get shot. Yeah, you were, you were already. Have you guys ever done the fall hunt? I have. So my my season is technically not over right. in my county in my zone so i have another week so you your season you had two weeks or you had the whole month in yeah. your season so i did the very first week and in my county it was only one week long and then second season kicked in that's for two weeks long in a row and then the month season the month of may kicks in well i have another week in june yeah i remember hearing about that so my season is technically not over me personally my season's over um the birds ain't responsive at that point and unless they're already all bred they're already all bred and unless i can pattern them birds you, every day it, it would be a pure and by that time it was so hot yeah. and so many bugs yeah. it's not fun to me most of the people i know that turkey hunt in michigan don't go out and target turkeys in the fall no, they go out. They buy, they buy a tag, and they say, "If one comes through on bow hunting for a deer, I'll shoot it." You know, because I have yeah. a tag. I've never hunted bought ball tag. I bought one. That exact same thing, though. I bought it. It's during bow season here in Michigan, yep. and I figured, well, if it's if a turkey presents itself, a hen or a tom, yeah. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I, I think the hen population, the toms, are really high because not many people shoot hens because mm-hmm. you can only shoot them here in Michigan in the fall right. season. Um, I, I've never killed one in the fall, but I've never targeted them birds in the fall. It's always so hot, and I'm always so concentrated on deer hunting at that point. They say, no, uh, you shoot a bird in the fall, you can't even really mount them. No, you shot a big bird because they have their pin, they got all their pin feathers at that point. Oh, so their their feathers aren't all in. Didn't know that. I actually, if I if I did target, you can mount it, but it's, it's not, not going to be as pretty right. as a spring versus a spring bird. Yeah, I I've never really targeted them. I've never even bought a fall target. I don't think. I think I, I have once. 
Like I said, for that season in June, I won't go out. Um, I guess maybe across the field from my house, uh, it's always produced birds. I see the birds here before I came here tonight to this podcast in that field. Um, maybe, but the heat at that point, if they're not responsive to calls, they've already been bred, the breeding season's over. Be more of a spot and stalk. Be more of a spot and stalk. <laughs> and then we, we all know how well that works. That, that's one thing, too, you know. What are the turkey's natural attributes that make them hard to hunt? One is their vision is really good. Well, turkey's eye, you look at a turkey, it's head, mm-hmm. right? And that turkey eye looks like it's only, how big is it? It's a little bit bigger than a pencil, maybe. Yeah, a, a eraser. Yeah, maybe like a Sharpie. Right. If you skim that head out, his eyeball is actually about the size of a half dollar. His whole eyeball. Mm-hmm. And that's, their eyesight is fabulous and again like i said if they could smell you'd never kill them mm-hmm. but their eyesights are just unbelievable great and their hearing is really good too and i i i couldn't tell you how many times i've been busted moving by a hen or whatever or a tom because it doesn't take much movement mm-hmm. for them to bust you and again that's why we use that screen or yeah. people use it a blind. I know I've tried sneaking up on a flock of turkeys. It didn't work very well. No, <laughs> it never works out. No. So I was reading an article actually this year, um, and I didn't know this, that a turkey's vision, they could when they're looking straight ahead, they can still see 240 degrees. Mm-hmm. You know, so almost it's almost 360. If you think about it, if they one slight move and they can almost see. Mm-hmm. So it. It's fascinating how well they can see. I would say that's their harder, that's the, their best attribute is their eyesight. That's why I know, like, it's, it's funny because, like, when those toms came in for us this weekend, we're sitting there watching them come in. I'm sitting there holding the gun. I'm trying to stay on it. I got on the gun as soon as I possibly could. And I know Jeremy seen me get on the gun. He's like, don't shoot yet. I'm like, I know, I know. But you're sitting there and you're getting so excited. Your heart's pumping. You, every movement, you're thinking, crap, they're going to see me. You know, you're shaking because you're excited. Once they're locked onto the decoys, you can get away with a little bit of movement. Right. But if, if, if they look, if you move enough, they're gone. Well, I and mean, they're fast. When those ones were coming in, that's the thing, too, is I waited until it looked like they were looking more at the decoys because I had to move my gun. And, you know, I waited till it looked like for sure they were looking at decoys and then real slowly moved it over to get it in line. On your sticks. On my sticks. Right? I, mine, I couldn't even use my sticks because I, I actually had to hold the gun up because they, he, the one I shot went all farther to the right than mm-hmm. what I could have moved my sticks. I made my shot left-handed too. Nice thing, Doug. That's, I was telling him, the um, first turkey I shot, the one that's up on my wall there, uh, we were in this field. We called it. We watched this turkey come from a long ways away, like across the cornfield. And he was hot to try. There we're going to talk this story now? Oh, no, no, this, no, this is, this is before that. Same field, but before that. Yeah. And we had one hen decoy out, and we had one hen that come into the call, right? So the guy that I was with, he's killed all kinds of turkeys. He's like, this is your turkey. You're going to shoot if we call it in. Like, all right. So anyway, hen's out by the hen decoy. This Tom's come running across this cornfield, had to go like, I think he went under a fence, comes over, gets out in front of me. And instead of coming, I'm right-handed. So instead of coming across, he went out like halfway to my right. So it wasn't far enough for me to shoot left-handed and I couldn't transition. I couldn't shoot him right-handed. So I put the butt pad right in the center of my chest and I shot that bird and oh my gosh, did that hurt. That was only a two and three quarter 12 gauge, but oh my gosh. (laughs) That kicked the crap out of me right in the center of my chest. 
But no, now I'll tell the story. This story is just an awesome story. So, so same field apparently. Yeah. We get out there, me and Kevin go out there, and I'm doing the call, and he's shooting because uh, it's his field. I don't even know if I ever had a season yet. My season was, I don't remember. Yeah, I think I had first. my season first, and then we're doing yours okay. after that. So, anyway, I'm out there calling, and we got my screen set up, and we're sitting there, and I start calling, and all of a sudden we had two gobbles, and they were a long way off. Hmm. Like, probably at least, I don't know how far, but it was all the way across that field. Yeah. So, I, every time they'd gobble, I'd hit them back. And all of a sudden here they you could see the just their heads come, come over this little hill and they're still out there 800 yards probably i would guess and these birds are just running they'd stop and they'd gobble and i'd hit them back then they come running again well then all of a sudden a hen shows up right in our decoys yeah. i'm thinking oh shoot here we go this hen's gonna bust us before these towns even get so sure enough here come these towns they're hauling they went under the fence they got to close to us then they got in the decoys, and I'm purring, and I'm, I tell them, I said, kill them, shoot them, and all of a sudden here, click, <laughs> and I'm like, did you, did you not load your gun? <laughs> no, and my ammo's in my truck, yeah. and I'm thinking, what? And these two turkeys are sitting there. They're probably like 10 yards. Yeah, they're sitting there looking at our decoys, <laughs> and we're talking, quiet, and he goes, my ammo's in my truck and I reach in my turkey vest. Thank God I had that on. I pull one shell out and I hand it to Kevin. And he slowly racks it back. Shooting pull, semi-auto. Semi-auto. Puts the shell in, holds it back. And as soon as he gets back on the bird, he lets go of the, the bolt. bolt. The bolt hits and the gun goes off at the same time. <laughs> Them birds sat there for that whole time. He dropped that bird. Yeah. But it, that is something I'll never forget because who forgets their ammo? In their right. truck? And thank goodness I'm a good friend and I had ammo with me. And it fit my gun. Uh -huh. But it was it was hilarious. And we talk about it every season. Yeah. About the memories me and you have made silly memories, whether it's coyote hunting or deer hunting or you know, or turkey hunting, but but it, that is a story I'll never forget because that was just hilarious. Yeah, it was. It wasn't hilarious at the time. I remember you looked at me. You said, "Did you forget to load your gun?" I just hung my head. <laughs> yep. His head went down to the ground, and he's like, "My ammo's in my truck," and I'm like, "What?" And thank goodness, because yeah. I always have ammo. I mean, my vest has ammo spots, and I just reach down there, pull that one shell, and hand it to you. <laughs> And oh man, was that funny. And incidentally, that loading trick I learned from doing three gun competition. You just reach over, drop it in. As soon as you drop the bolt, that trigger already pulled. Boom. It, it, it worked great. <laughs> and I can't believe, I think you even tried racking yeah. a shell. Yeah, because I thought maybe I just didn't put one in the chamber. Right, that's right. You tried racking a shell yeah. and the birds still sat there. Just looking at us like, hmm. <laughs> they look at their heads like, and then, then I hand him one. He did that, you know, and it, oh, it's just hilarious. And that I don't remember how long a beard that one had, but it was a good bird. I think I got the beard sitting right up there. Yeah, it was a good bird. So that's the letter. Make sure you have ammo. Yeah, and the gun's loaded. And loaded. Okay. Yep. Yep. There's a beard for that bird right there. Yeah, it was a good bird. Yep. Yeah, that was that was that was fun. <laughs> that was funny. Afterwards, it was funny. At the time, it was pure panic. <laughs> right. It was just crazy. Could you imagine how much grief he would have gave you? Oh, if I, uh, if I couldn't have gotten it. Oh, oh, yeah. I call him in a nice bird. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and that's my thing is I, I, 
I went two years on Cronenberg, but I Kevin's kid. I've called him in for Kevin. I don't. I mean, I like shooting them. And I I like eating them. I smoke every breast I get. But I would much rather watch somebody else shoot one. Mm-hmm. I seem to always shoot last. So like I, I'm normally I go out and I'll call my friends in Berg, my father-in-law, and and I don't care if I kill. Right. I mean, I like killing them myself but he'll be the other ones first i would rather get everybody else's bird first and then if i get one i get i just i would have been two years you're on your second year or two right second year yeah no bird no bird but this year uh all three of my kids hunted this year Um, and all three killed a bird this year the very first time all toms all toms no jakes and i got to be I got to witness while I watched my stepsons through the binoculars. My father was guiding him on that hunt out at West Michigan for our, our, our hunt. But my other two daughters, I was with guiding them. Uh, I think I got more excitement oh, yeah. oh, heck yeah. out of watching them and, and experiencing their hunt with them. My heart was racing so fast. You probably, I think they for turkeys, my heart raced more for Breckensburg than it does mine. Yes, I, I, I don't get me wrong. My heart still, I, I get so excited when a bird comes in. Well, if you didn't, there's no point. There's in no point in me hunting, exactly. But that, I don't know what it was this year. Was it was insane? Just how the excitement and then the the joy afterwards. Yeah. You know, after harvesting that bird. Did you cry? No, I didn't cry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my daughters did both of them cried did they? not oh. not out of sadness right, but yeah. like the like thing happened. Happened. yeah um Micaiah shot her bird um at nine yards uh, that was running and gunning on state land uh we, we made the call that in that dust bowl and that bird was right there we literally ran to the next pine tree got behind that pine tree and he was coming and she had one window to shoot through and sure enough it's nine yards away and she got the experience. I, I could see that gun just shaking, <laughs> right. you know. Good I, thing it's a shotgun. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, and I, 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 I could hear her heart beating. It's sitting next to her, you know, and I'm trying to walk her through all the steps and where that bird was going to come. And then my daughter, Rain, she shot hers at like 16 yards. But that excitement out of them kids, I think Rain jumped out the window faster than I could get <laughs> the gun on safety. And she was out to that bird so fast. But yeah, that was. I just want to say one thing. I, I keep saying about Jake's, there's nothing wrong with shooting Jake. No. I don't want people to think that I'm a, you know, a guy that you says you can't shoot him. There's nothing wrong with shooting Jake. It's a choice that I make yeah. that I don't want to shoot Jake's. Last day of the season might be different. Yeah. Um, but I'm if a, a trophy bird is whatever bird you think is a trophy, yeah. whether it's a Jake or a Tom, I don't want people to think that shooting a Jake is a bad thing. It's not. Because bird turkeys are hard to hunt, yeah. and I I've shot enough of them that I, you know, and I don't feel I need to shoot bird every year. So that's why I choose. Like so that's yeah. why I choose. I've killed three jakes total in my life. Most of my younger when I was younger. Um, I, preference now it, it, exactly at preference. I don't need to kill a bird, and especially with my kids, I concentrate now my really good spots. I guess you'd say on getting them successful hunt. So if I if I get one, awesome. If I don't, I, I don't. But with the bird population down too here in Michigan, I would really be selective on my bird I shot. So now for someone that doesn't know, 
how do I tell the difference between a Jake and a Tom? Now, one of them is the fan, right? The fan of Tom is going to be full, which means every feather in the back is going to be even, a half moon, basically even. Mm -hmm. Jake, the outer feathers are going to be shorter than the middle feathers. Mm -hmm. So it'll, it'll start as a half moon and then it'll notch up and then a little half moon and then notch down another rest of the fan. Mm -hmm. And then a Jake also has a shorter beard. Yeah, and it tends to stick more straight stick out. more straight out, where a Tom will hang down. down. Yep. Yep. And a big Tom's going to be like dragging on the ground. And the Jake's usually have just a small spur, if they have spurs at all. Or a Tom's can have, I've seen, uh, inch and three quarter, inch and seven eighths. It's probably, mm -hmm. That's just a monster bird. Well, the bird that you mounted for me. These are inch and seven eighths spurs. So that's just um, a monster bird. That's um, why he's on my wall. Uh, that's my biggest was a 12 and a half inch beard with an inch and five eighths spurs. But that bird that has an inch and eight, seven eighths spurs, he only has a 10 inch beard. Hmm. But beards, they you get break off. They can break off in winter. I mean, it doesn't just, well, that you had a bird on the youth hunt. Big old Tom, huge Tom, no beard. No beard. Just really? you, and when he, I was told when he come out of strut, you could see it look like a Jake. Yep. And uh, but uh, but he wasn't a legal bird because it wasn't long enough. Is there a minimum beard length? Yes, there is. Well, it has to have a visible beard. Okay. It doesn't visible. matter if it has red, blue, red head, and all that. A visible it has beard. to be have be a visible beard. Right. That's why occasionally you see people shoot bearded hens, and, and that's why a bearded hen is legal because it has a visible beard. Right. Okay. Any beard. Is the only that's the only requirement for Michigan law. Okay. It, it could be a hen, uh, Jake, Tom. The beard is what is the go-to. So if it's a big time where his beard broke all the way off right at the butt, it's not a legal bird. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Hmm. He was spotted three times. And which would stink because I mean it, he was a big bird. We we watched him. He had nice spurs on. Well, that's the thing. You could see a bird. He could have inch and seven eight spurs. Great trophy bird with no beard, you can't get. Hmm. I learned something new. That's why we do this. Yeah, and I don't know if everybody knows that or not. It's, I mean, it's, I, I'm not, I mean, like I said, I'm fairly new to this. I think this is, I think this year makes fifth or sixth, fifth year that turkey hunted. And, and the, you know, the excitement about a turkey hunt is, and I, if people that don't, turkey hunt the excitement how i got hooked into turkey hunt you go out there and you call to them no answer mm -hmm. they'll call back and it's as soon as you hear them gobble in that tree it's it's just an excitement because i mean you can drive down the road and hear them gobble but i'm telling you when it's getting breaking daylight and you got five six seven ten birds gobbling in trees and then hens putting and clucking i mean this excitement is unbelievable I honestly think that's why I like it so much as well. And I, I, I kind of compare it to coyote hunting. When you get a coyote howling at you, coming back at you, and you know he's coming or you see him coming, whatever, it's that calling aspect, and that interaction between you and the animal that I think really gets me pumped up. And that's, I think, why I like turkeys. And the same thing with the coyote. Turkeys are harder than heck to kill yeah. because of the movement or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just a fun hunt. It's a, and it is a good way to get, if your kid doesn't, if you hunt, your kid doesn't hunt yet, it's a really good way to get them into hunting because of that gobble and stuff. Sure. It's a little harder with deer hunting now that we can't bait in Michigan because 
um, GWD, but it's harder for kids to stay interested because if you go out there and you only see one deer a weekend, mm-hmm. and it's one they can't shoot, right? You know, you know so they, they lose interest. Where turkeys, you're always seeing something like how many deer did we see this weekend? A lot. Yeah. And then, you know, hearing them gobble. I mean, we probably had, if I had to guess, we had 10, 15 different birds gobbling yeah. in the trees yeah. from all around us. Yeah. I mean, it was by far the best turkey hunt I've ever had as far as activity. Yeah, it was real active Sunday. Saturday, not so much, but no, Sunday was real active. Saturday, I think we had two gobbles. Yeah. So it was, it was definitely a good hunt. During the youth hunt, were the birds really vocal or no? Uh, some fields, ours gobbled once. So we had, yeah, you had one gobble. One, he gobbled once, once and he was probably 350 yards away. Yeah. So me and my daughter, Rain, we had two gobbling behind us and they went to an opposite field. Mm-hmm. And we never had another gobble after that point. Um, not a lot of vocals, not a lot of gobbles. But it was cold. But it, was, mm-hmm. it was very cold. Right. Yeah, we had a kind of wacky weather pattern in the spring. Yeah. Yesterday was warm, or Sunday, yesterday, yesterday, yeah. yesterday was warm yeah. in the morning. Yeah, and the sunny both days. Yep. Yeah, so day. I think that has a lot to do with it. Yeah. That would be great. For sure. Yeah, it's a, turkey hunting's a good time. If you haven't done it, then you need to give it a try. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, the other thing too, I would say is, it's nice weather for the youth during that time frame, you know. Yeah, deer first season though can be cold. iffy, right? If, and if it can be rain, and it can be rain. But I mean, the only other really good weather pattern hunting, aside from hunting coyotes all year, is you know early deer. Yep, October deer, right? Well, but it's usually rainy in October too, though. right? So it's real similar, but at least it's not. You know, you're not trying to drag a kid out there and it's freezing and. You know, sitting for hours and hours, it's usually not that bad. So, see, this year I leased some land for deer hunting. And I'm gonna, and I, I mean, we have 40 acres up north, but we've hunted well, two or three youth seasons. We've never even seen it here. And we got food blocked. Mm-hmm. So, this year I leased land that I'm pretty sure he'll be able to shoot a doe or a buck on my lease. So, mm-hmm. it's been hard, it's been difficult getting my boy in the deer hunting. He wants to do it, but he's He's finally, he'll be 13 this year, so he's finally getting settled down where he'll be able to sit still longer, I guess. Better word. But... All right, well, I think we'll wrap it up for the night. Thank you, gentlemen, for coming over and talking about turkey hunting. Um, hopefully, uh, you know, next season comes around good. I got Population two. comes up, I hope. Right. I got two more birds calling for people this year, so. See what happens. Shouldn't have a problem getting them. Yes. We're taking the same spot. Right. <laughs> I don't blame you. I would too. So, all right. Well, thank you, everybody. And thanks, everyone, for listening. And, uh, you know, like and subscribe. And uh, stay tuned for the next podcast. Thank you, guys.